Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this thing we've been doing, rate, <laughs> review, subscribe, <laughs> smash that subscribe button, tell two, three, five, ten, twenty people that you want them to listen to Lamestream. This random and bizarre journey through national sports media and business uh, that you've been listening to. Just share the product with somebody we do appreciate it uh alan bell is our guest on the show returning champion one of a vi- one of very few guests that has had a chance to come on the program twice but we thought now that we're entering the end of november we've had one full year of gambling in the state of tennessee we thought we would look back at a lot of data and a lot of numbers a lot of trends and the future of gambling in the state of tennessee with alan bell of Sportsline, of course uh one of the best guys in the business that knows all this stuff we will have after our conversation with him about 30 minutes or so After our conversation with him, we are going to lay out exactly how many dollars have been wagered in the state of Tennessee over the first year of legalized gambling in the state. And we will break it down month by month and book by book for all of you out there so that you get a very clear picture of exactly what is happening in the gambling sports gambling world in the state of Tennessee. We will also have totally related note. We will also have a conversation about Tennessee Titans fans and the national media. Looking forward to that one. <laughs> they have a very interesting relationship, Titans fans and the national media. So we'll have a conversation about that uh, later on as well. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there, Steve. Just want to say that. Uh, make sure you check out all the other great shows on the 440 Sports Network. Club and Country, of course. Nashville SC. Uh, obviously, whatever happened on Tuesday night, they'll have a great reaction to that <laughs> on, on Wednesday. We might be recording this before. <laughs> Um, as well as the gold standard covering the national predators with Adam Vingan and fringe element with Stephen Godfrey and Aaron Dugan and myself, make sure you also are looking, checking out all the great Broadway sports podcasts, football and other F words out every single Tuesday, uh, with some great reaction to the loss to the Texans, as well as the music city audible and bandysports.com as well. We've got you covered here at 440 sports, but first lamestream is brought to you by checks email, uh, still Jaspers. It's still, still Jaspers. it's still in fact, still Jaspers. Jaspers. Uh, we've been pushing the boundaries on this relationship for quite some time, but it isn't it is in fact still Jasper? So we do appreciate their support. The parking is free. The food is amazing. The great happy hours are there. Even during a holiday weekend, you can go watch the Preds if you want to uh, over there. Great burgers, special drink, special all that stuff during home and road games. So go check out Jasper's. The new chimichanga. Did we try the chimichanga, Steve? Did you try that? No, 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 no. Threatened. That, that's, we're recording early. So oh, okay. By the, okay. by the time this lands, I will have tried the chimichanga. <laughs> I anticipate it to be great. The, the cheese sticks are amazing. They're brand new. I've tried them. They're fantastic. And uh, the flatbreads are great as well. They, they just they just keep evolving over there on West End. All right. So they are up, the next evolution of the sports bar. So coming up a little bit later on, you will have a detailed. We, we want to give you every single piece of data we've got on where people are gambling and how much and all that good stuff. So we'll, we'll have a conversation about that after the interview, uh, as well as a Titans Twitter national media conversation as well. But we will do that, of course, after the interview with the great Alan Bell. So without any more conversation from us, here was our talk with sports lines and gambling guru, Alan Bell. Our returning champion, welcome to the show, Alan Bell. Alan, how are you, sir? Good to see you. A returning guest, one of very few on Lamestream. So we do appreciate your time, man. How are you, buddy? Right. Well, I'm doing fantastic, and I do understand the honor that that is, and it's very much appreciated on my end. So, yeah, good to see you, boys. (laughs) So we wanted to have you on to sort of take a look at one full year of Tennesseans gambling on sports, and and we'll dive into the numbers a little bit later on in the show. But just in, in general, how do you think it has unfolded over the course of a year we saw a couple of hiccups at the beginning with a few different books but now we're seeing three four times the number of books that are available as when we first launched last november so how would you evaluate the first year of gambling in the state of tennessee yeah so we both come from the uh, the world of uh you know recruiting in terms of like the star ratings right so let's use that it's absolutely a five star it's been fantastic the state of tennessee has done very well residents of the state of tennessee have done very well and the books have done great, uh, well, to say as well again. Like, it, it's just been fantastic on all sides. And to be completely honest with you, yeah, there were some hiccups, which are going to happen, you know, this massive of a project. But look around at other states, right? Like uh, the state of Ohio, they can't figure out the legislation on it. The state of Florida, they have all kinds of setups and, and issues going on with theirs. So, yeah, you, you got to give credit to everyone involved in this project in Tennessee. It, it, it's been fantastic. 
I, I was in Ohio here. I was in Ohio here about a week and a half ago, and I, I'm amazed at now the states that don't have it. So, so we we were there over a weekend for for a soccer game, and we thought, oh, we're just going to watch college football all Saturday afternoon. We'll do some betting. We'll do some whatever else, and we couldn't do it. And it was, and, and it it just it's felt like such a normal piece of of you know Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon kind of game watching that that to not have it now feels weird. And I'm and I'm surprised that states like Ohio and Florida and several others can't get it done. It just doesn't. This does not seem that hard now. Yeah, I know it's not. And, and, you know, look at the operation of it. Right. So, like, just take the state of Tennessee. And again, I have to give credit to everyone involved in this process because they made it very simple. They said, look, this is going to be under, you know, the Tennessee lottery arm. Right. And once it grows, I'm sure that they'll expand outward, which I think those are the plans to do. But whatever. Right. Like they they made the process very, very simple transition, very simple. And you're right. States like Ohio, which is an incredibly rich sports state same thing with florida like i i think i i went to miami about two months ago uh you know for a buddy's uh you know little bachelor party for a weekend and it was chill like exactly like you said like we just sat around kind of watching sports whatever and you couldn't bet like you could not bet on sports whatsoever it was it was strange so you're right like the states that don't have it it feels just off if that makes sense you you mean like someone from denver or los angeles driving into tennessee and not being able to find a joint <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it, which is funny. Of, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm. I'm just. If anyone's listening, uh, and the state legislator, or just throwing it out there. Um. <laughs> anyway, I. I, I was, farmers too. So yeah. Well, so let, let, let's dive a little deeper into sort of the different moving parts because explain maybe why we've gone from three big time major brands and then like sort of a local shop that launched. We had the four shops that launched, and now we've got like I don't know, like ten of them or whatever. And I think Barstool's in town is in is in the market now. Sort of take people through the the different parts and the pieces that have to go into, like you're saying, everyone's done a great job. Who are those those people, and sort of how has it worked, and why has it been so successful? Yeah. So all right. So first, let's start with the state of Tennessee. Okay. So it starts with Bill Lee, who really wasn't for or against it, and that was kind of his ruling on it. But credit to him, like he didn't stand in the way. He said, "Look, I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm." for this, but I'm also not going to be in the way of the state making money, which was an incredibly intelligent decision, right? So you got to give the state of Tennessee credit on that Two, You look at the books that came at the beginning, all right, the big four, all right? So you had Action 24-7, which is local, and then you had FanDuel, DraftKings, and uh, BetMGM, okay? So when it was kind of first starting, Tennessee was on the, you know, beginning line, so to say, of states that, that were opening this up. And those books definitely took a risk, right? Because they're the first ones to market. And while the process is pretty similar, it is different in every single state, kind of what we were talking about with Ohio and Florida, uh, et cetera. So you really have to give them credit that they were first to market and they took the risk and said, you know what? We think this is going to work. We've done our homework on the state of Tennessee, the economics, also the sports fan base. And it's paid off greatly for them because I'll say that, with these sports books and you'll see it with the promotions and the commercials, they're all around the exact same thing. Sign up for our book, sign up for our book. We'll give you 50 free dollars, a thousand risk free. Like it's all the same, right? It's about getting people to download but your app. My favorite yesterday, up. my favorite yeah. yesterday was if Tom Brady throws up a, a one yard of, of, of passing, uh, you know, then it's a free hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, what more gimme could you possibly have than that? I, you know what? And you bring up a good point because and, and we'll talk about this. But yeah, like those first four. OK, that came the market share that they grabbed. It was massive. Now, we're not going to know the numbers because they don't release those. But them coming in first and having such a head start, they garnered so many people you know, joining and those same people probably still use FanDuel or BetMGM or Action 24-7 or DraftKings, right? Because they're like, well, this is the first one I downloaded. I like it. I'm going to continue to use it. So now you see that these new books that have come in, uh, they have to go way over the top to get people to sign up. And don't get me wrong, the first four, we'll just call them that, they continue to have to do those marketing efforts as well because it's a never-ending sales process. But these books that came in later they have to do so much more and spend so much more in marketing. Yeah. I would love to know what Caesar's marketing budget has been in Tennessee for the last, <laughs> you know, you know, for the last say 
three months because yeah. between and it and it's not a it's not a low profile campaign. I mean, they've had Patton Oswalt in there. They have the Manning brothers, Leon, in, the, in a new ad. Yeah, I mean it's it is, and they are relentless on on sports telecasts, and that's all about what you were saying that initial customer acquisition. Yep, that that is a hundred percent. And I'll say this, uh, you know, full transparency. So Caesars is a partner of CBS Sports. Okay, it's also a partner of ESPN. So when you go to CBS Sports or you go to Sportsline or any of the brands that are involved, you know, kind of under our Viacom umbrella, you're going to see Caesars odds. When you go to ESPN, right, on the app or on the website, and you just click, you know, NFL scores, and you're going to see, you know, odds, those are provided by Caesars as well, which used to be William Hill. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, this is a massive company that is serious about their marketing partnerships uh, and advertisements. So, yeah, just like you said, that's why you see And to be clear, they, they bought William Hill, correct? Yep. Yeah, and and to be and to be further clear, <laughs> they they have blown past all the other ones, other than the original three, as far as you know, handle goes. Like that, they have significantly more market share than WinBet, Twin Spires, Tennessee Action, twenty four seven. Like they've blown past all the small, quote unquote, smaller ones. I guess you want to call them that. And they are they're they're inching towards the big three that started. But to your point, the big three still have. 75% of the, the market share in the fall right now, uh, based on where people are, are gambling. You said it benefits um, everybody, it, not just the betters, but also the books. We know the books make money. That's why they're pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising and marketing and trying to get these FTDs, first-time depositors and all this stuff. That, that's their, their business model because they know they're going to make money in the end. And one time in, in a year with some months, there's been eight books, some months there's been four books, but you can do the math on how many months of gambling we've done in Tennessee on the number of different platforms. One time, a book lost money. One time in a year. Um, how are the are are the are, is it just the smart gamblers that are winning? Because on the surface, it does not feel like the gamblers are are winning as much as it would appear. Yeah. So you know, on your point there, like that takes. That takes a kind of a perfect storm and a concerted uh, effort of not only the sharp betters who are putting large amounts of money, but also you have to have the public too, right? Like the public has to be hitting because they are, you know, the majority of the money that's going in. Now, their individual bets might be $5, $10, whatever. But when you pile all that together, that's the majority of it. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, You know, books are going to make money off of this, right? But you are seeing betters having success. So, you know, we'll kind of jump into what the numbers are. Like, since it's it began in November of last year, all right, Tennesseans have wagered a total of $2.3 billion, okay? Betters have taken in $2.1 billion of that 2.3, and the books have made $205 million, okay? So you look at all of that, you say, all right, well, yeah, the books are clearly, you know, they're making their money, but there has been significant payout right to betters. It's not like, you know, it's just put down your $10 and you lose it immediately. Like people have been, you know, making money off of it for sure. And then you look at the state of Tennessee, you know, since it's, you know, inception, it's $35 million that has gone to the state with really not much overhead, right? Like think about the operational process. It's not like they had to hire, you know, 5,000 new, you know, state employees that are, you know, uh, you know, paid by taxes or whatever. They didn't have to, you know, build new buildings, uh, things like that. So, I mean, it's kind of been a win-win for everybody. The the percentage has been uh, so so through September, uh, the the payout range was about nine. I mean, the the margin range was about nine percent. The the books are making somewhere between nine and ten percent on the, on that handle that's being bet. Um, I, 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 one of the things in terms of uh, of customer acquisition I thought was really interesting was, uh, you know, you, you see all the ads from I mean, from FanDuel, DraftKings, MGM, Caesars are, uh, obviously have the biggest marketing budgets, but Barstool comes in in September and and puts up a pretty big number. I think they had the, the, I think their handle like the, the amount of money that was wagered with them was over eight million dollars. Which I think is an interesting sort of testament to the, to the, 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 the fact that they had this huge fan base, but 
that they were able to that they were able to kind of turn on to this product as opposed to having to as opposed to having to just you know kill everybody with tv ads and radio and whatever else yeah yeah it's an excellent point and and it goes to um the audience loyalty to that brand which if anybody loves or hates barstool nothing to do with it but their audience they love barstool they will literally fight for barstool right so and, and this is why this is why Penn national bought barstool 100 yep 100%. because they they saw this as as being a method of all right we have this really engaged sports base we know they're going to want to bet we, we, th- we think that this is a is a really good customer strategy for us yeah so you know instead of yeah if so if you're Penn national you uh you know before they buy barstool you have two options here all right so Penn could enter tennessee by itself with no barstool and that money that you are spending is going to go to commercials ads etc <clears throat> things like that or they could just buy barstool and say you know what that marketing money we're just going to pay to you and essentially buy your audience that you already have. So, you know, say what you want about the Barstool brand, and that's another conversation, but they went after, you know, a, a confirmed audience that they knew. They say, look, this is going to work because these people, you know, will just, they'll follow along anything that Barstool does. So, yeah, it's fascinating on that end because that's really the only brand that has that. Like, nobody's out here like, I love FanDuel. Like, it, you just don't see that. You know what I mean? Well, and, and that makes it makes perfect sense w- with what you were saying about the fact that you know Caesars has has lined up these kind of content agreements with you guys with ESPN because they want they want their name on the, these platforms that are reaching so many sports fans. Yep, absolutely. And you know, not only that, like you're going to get branding in, like here in about 30 minutes, I'm going to send our you know daily uh, our sports line daily members newsletter right to which is going to have Caesars branding. All the you know all the brands at CBS Sports from NFL, college football, college basketball, it's going to have that branding. So they say, all right, <clears throat> you know we're going to do our advertising for sure, but we're also going to get right in front of all the audiences that go to CBS or that go to ESPN or the individual you know people there, like a Dennis Dodd or you know uh, Kirk Herbstreit, whoever, right? Like it, they're playing the the big money game because they can afford to do it. Well, it's interesting, like Barstool, by the way, pulled 12% in their, in their very first month, which was better than everybody except for BetMGM and FanDuel as far as the handle and the payout. I, you know, all the other stuff, expenses, all that other stuff notwithstanding, um, yeah. payback to the state as well. What's interesting about Caesars is, like, as an ESPN radio host on Saturday mornings, I do a, a show where we preview the games coming up in college football, and we, we are supposed to use, we have to use, like, the lines that we use are off of Caesars. Yep. Like if you go to the ESPN sport sports page or the, the, the score page, you're going to see all lines courtesy of Caesars like that. That's just a strategic partnership there. Um, but as far as interweaving into content, it feels like MGM FanDuel DraftKings maybe are doing more of that as far as creating content themselves or partnering with content creators as far as sponsorship package goes. H- how do you feel? Because you're in the you're in the business of creating content. You create content for a bunch of different companies. How has gambling in Tennessee being legal affected the way you guys create content? Oh, big time, right? Yeah, massive. So you look at, you know, uh, we'll just use Sportsline and CBS Sports, right? Like, you know, obviously Sportsline is all sports betting, but CBS, you see the integration of it, right? Like you see guys that were normally, you know, picking games, just winners or losers, things like that. Now it's transitioned to picking against the spread, picking overs and unders. Uh, you're even seeing it, you know, on TV a little bit. That part hasn't come around just as much with the legacy brands. But yeah, in terms of the content, like it's certainly there. And then you look at the books, right? Like FanDuel, BetMG, whoever. Now they are also creating their own content, which to use in a, uh, you know, kind of a comparison, it's kind of like when five or six years ago, you started to see NFL teams have their own writers in-house. Right. So it's kind of like that to where these teams and these books are saying, well, we have these audiences and people come to our websites and use the product. Why don't we create our, you know, our own content with it? Right. So it's smart on their end. It's it's just another part of marketing for sure. Um, Some books do it better than others because, again, you know, there's a line to where, you know, what can you really do? 
right? Like, are you going to go after expert betters or are you going to go after people who are marketable on social media, on TikTok, right? Like there, there's kind of a clear line. And the good thing is that it's so early in the incubation period across the country that you don't really have to have the correct answer. You just have to be in the market doing it and you'll kind of figure it out as you go along. One of the most interesting ones of these is, uh, so on Bill Simmons podcast, they do a, they do a, they do a picks thing every week. Uh, he and Peter Schrager, the NFL network, and they have started doing this underdog parlay where they, 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 they'll pair a couple of underdogs, either money lines or, or spreads uh, and pairing them. And then FanDuel is promoting these as, as the ringers, as the ringers underdog parlay of the week. And a couple of times it's hit. Uh, and it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me because they're pointing a lot of people at it. At, at and this is not they're not pointing at something that pays like minus one twenty or plus one twenty. The, these things are paying like plus seven fifty or plus eight hundred. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to me it's I'm I'm really fascinated by it. But I mean, if you hit like if they hit like the underdog parlay like four or five weeks in a row, I can't believe FanDuel is going to be like, "Whoa, guys, you're 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 killing us here." <laughs> yeah, no, it's an excellent point, right? Because you know, on the surface, it's brilliant for the books, right? Uh, first, just parlays in general, because they are making millions off of parlays that are missed. <clears throat> but then also, you start working in underdogs. But it does have a line to where. If they start hitting a few of these, right, and, and you know, uh, uh, an audience that's, you know, as massive as, you know, someone like Bill Simmons, plus the books, strong arm behind it, promoting it. Yeah, that's a lot of money that could get risked, but it'll never reach the amount that they're going to make on just loss, 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 loss. Plus, <laughs> yeah, plus what it does as well is that and it's this is why the books do it is that not only are people going to take those, but they're then going to create their own. And that's where the money to the books comes back. So yeah, they love it. Like they, they actually want Bill Simmons and them to hit them yep. because for every, you know, hundred dollars that they pay out, that's a thousand dollars coming in. Yeah. Steve, you're, you got it all backwards. Like they, they, no, 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 no. they, they want to trick people into thinking that you can actually hit oh, the under oh, parlay oh, week me. after week after week. <laughs> My own betting history shows that the parlay is not an easy thing to hit. Well, and Kate, they do this. Barstool does this with like Casey. They do like over Wednesdays or whatever. And it's like, hey, we're going to all take overs on Wednesdays. And I'm like, I look at that and I go, and I know Casey personally. I think she's wonderful. But at, at the same time, yeah. I'm going like, what, like, what do you, of course, they're trying to give away free money because you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, all right. You bring up an excellent point and you brought this up about five minutes ago and you just nailed it right there. All right. In terms of content. Okay. So everybody in the planet has some sort of, we pick against the spread, whether it's radio, TV, uh, website, everybody has it. Now, how do you differentiate yourself in, in a market to where, you know, yeah, there's a million different options, but it's kind of all the same. You're, you're picking against the spread. You're picking overs or unders, parlor, you know, props, et cetera. Now, how do all of these content creators, which are different in their delivery, but it's kind of the same in the end, how do you differentiate yourself do you try to go after, like you just said, with Casey in terms of overs Wednesday, right? Or Steve, what you were talking about in terms of this is our underdog parlay of the week. Like you're going to see so many more options like Sportsline. We, we have, you know, props Fridays, you know, for NFL. Right. <clears throat> and, and everybody does. So it's going to be fascinating to see how the market continues to evolve, because right now it's not like you have a, a million different options of packaging it. You have a million different options in the bets, but packaging, packaging it, it's like five different things. You know what I mean? So I think you bring up an excellent point that the market will always have to evolve like anything does. How do they go about doing it? I think one of the big, the biggest glaring holes on this and um, in the interest of full disclosure, like I've talked to a book about this. I, yeah. I think, I think there's a, glaring hole with trends i think that's a, a glaring hole with content especially for the high level gambler who you know like they, they don't care who i braden me on some podcast wants to pick against the spread but they yeah. might care deeply about you know 
cold weather games with the Tennessee volunteers in December, you know, like whatever, like that, that's, I think trends is the big one that is missing right now uh, across sort of like the, the content that's out there flowing. You can take that back to your bosses, uh, Alan. Um, uh, <laughs> well, what, what, coming, yeah. Yeah. Send, send the check in, in the mail. Um, what I think is, what I think is fascinating about sort of like exclusive, like, like uh, rights deals. Like you watch a Preds game on Valley sports and you are going to get hit over the head with every single book. Right. Like one period, it's one book telling you the over one period. It's the what percentage chance the team had to win by a different book. And, and it is like it's a lot right now that they, they are throwing so much at consumers. And I obviously everyone knows how advertising works. If you want category exclusivity, you got to pay more for that. I get that. But at what point do are, are consumers ever going to push back on? Do you think it's too much? Do you think there's a tipping point on? Man, if I'm gonna watch a Titans game, I don't want all 16 books in the state of Tennessee pounding me over the head with this. The Titans need to have one official one or two official ones, or the Predators or a Bally or a broadcast network. Do you do you think we get to that point where it, it, the sales get trimmed a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you know because not everybody bets, right? Like you know, the, there's obviously a large market. We'll, we'll just use you know, say Titans fans. There's a massive amount of Titans fans that don't. They don't bet on sports. They have no interest in betting on sports. They might not even agree with its morality, right? And I'm not arguing against that whatsoever. I'm just saying that there's still an audience that doesn't want that content, right? They don't want to see it. And like you said, they definitely don't want to be beaten over the head with it over and over and over. So speaking of the content and advertising as well, I think that there will be, while we blur the lines between you know, the game and what's going on. And then looking at it from a betting perspective, there's also going to be a content line and an advertising line of, okay, let's reach just the betters and let's reach just the people who don't want to. And uh, well, you, you used to work at rivals. I used to work at 24 seven sports. Like think about, you know, your team, your college football team, like, you know, the guys that cover, let's say Tennessee. Okay. So you've got an audience that definitely bets, but there's still a legacy audience that's probably overwhelming that doesn't. And they don't want that content. They don't want the writers putting in, well, here's our picks, blah, 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 I guess the spread. We don't, they don't want that, right? So I think that at some point, while there's a blurred line between the two, there's definitely going to be uh, a defined line of, all right, let's market to these people who do bet and let's stay away from these people who don't. And I'm fascinated to see that as well. I don't know when that happens, but as it as it evolves like i think that that will be a part of it from a content perspective do you think people are more interested or, or are there more people reading for kind of value as in you know here are here are three or four different games that i could bet on that i can maybe make some money on or are they are, are they leaning towards or is is the content that is uh kind of ephemeral a, a little more uh, popular. I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like the underdog parlay stuff. Like if I put $5 on, on a, on a combined, uh, you know, Washington football team and I don't know, Falcons, you know, yeah. This set up a set of things. You, you have a problem at that point. Well, well, I mean, but, but <laughs> like that, like that is more interesting to me. That gives me reasons to, to be interested in those games as opposed to, as opposed to like trying to find the, like the value in, in, you know, betting on the Titans, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You, you, that, that's an excellent question. And uh, the answer is this simplicity. Okay. One parlays uh, as many times as I'll be on Twitter telling all new betters, do not bet parlays like bet individually. Don't do this overwhelmingly. That's what people want. They want parlays. Okay. And then number two, like you said, underdogs. Number three, like Braden said, absolutely trends because even if people don't use them and bet on them, what they like to do is say them, right? Whether around their friends at the bar, whether on Twitter, like things like that. Like if you look at, you know, social media engagement, like when there's a good trend that's out there, people will retweet the hell out of it, right? Like they want to be a part of that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah and I get, and I guess what this gets to is how many of these people are like, like me, like the betting is entertainment. I am. I, I know that I'm not going to make a lot of money. Versus people that are people that are serious about gambling, 
and, and about and about absolutely trying to make money. Do we know yet, kind of, kind of where the breakdown is, like in your audience or yeah. or in, in anybody else's audiences? Yeah. So okay. So I'll I'll, I'll tell you this. They'll they'll say you know, that it's a hundred percent, you know, like making money and, and rightfully so, because I guarantee you for any of you guys who have ever made one pick publicly, if you miss that, it is hell on earth in your Twitter mentions and Facebook, <laughs> like they'll just, I mean, they'll, I, they'll just wear you out. Right. But there is an entertainment part to it because you'll see a clearly defined, like once, you know, your, your callers on a radio show or your people on Twitter that you talk to, you'll see a clearly defined line of people who absolutely play game to game. Um, they don't bet everything. They want to find the three or four, you know, winners each week. And then you'll also have people who just want to bet on every game. Like tonight, Giants Bucks. It's probably going to not be a very attractive type game, right? But it is going to do massive amounts of numbers because so many people, like you said, it's an entertainment value. It is part of the package now. It's part of watching these games that if they don't have something on it, they feel like they're not, you know, a hundred percent engaged in that. So yeah, like I, there, there's no percentage number here, but having something on a big game or just a game in general is a large part of it. Yes. I, I would love to see, and I don't know how this would happen because it's probably all proprietary, but I would love to see <laughs> like top 25 gross revenue gamblers, individual gamblers in the state of Tennessee. Like I, I would want to see like, here are the 25 people and how much they made and how much of the actual cut that we're talking about, right? Like the, 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 the 1.7 billion or, or billion dollar payout that, that we've, we've made over the course of the two years or the year, year and some change, how much of that came from X, the, the 25 geniuses that know what they're doing. Um, so, which I know we'll never get, we, yeah. we got, we, we got to wrap up here, but I, I do, I am curious cause I know you're a part of like some live stream shows. You do a lot of that stuff. And what I find interesting about the gambling space and the media space as they are converging in the state of Tennessee, one of them is driven by like lack of attention, seven second scroll lifestyle. I need to see some, uh, I need to see someone screaming about the Titans on my Twitter feed or else I'm going to keep scrolling. Versus what you really actually need to be good at gambling, which is like really detailed data analytics driven content that's really tough to consume in a video visual format. How do you see those two things coming together? And is the answer just still like the casual better is going to lose? Is that what the answer so, is? Yeah. So I'll say this. So, um, and I'm not saying that we've figured out gold by any means, but what I am saying is, you know, with our, uh, daily live show, The Early Edge, okay? Shameless plug right there. Um, what we found is that we it's 10 minutes or less, all right, of that day. That is it. Now, we'll have live streams, you know, for, for big games uh, that people want to join. It's an hour long. But the majority of our viewers come in every morning, 9 a.m., 10 minutes, got a couple picks of a couple people, boom, in and out. And that's what you need for the day, right? Like, we have found that that has been successful of – You've got just enough time to kind of give your, you know, your argument, your trends, your nuggets there for it. But you don't, you, you don't burn it. Like, let me give you these picks. Boom. You do it. You know, get on with your day. Right. Like, I think that that is definitely the key, because like you said, people want to get that and move on right now. They want to know why. And you certainly have to have a good track record. But there is a bit of WWE AEW wrestling to this, that if you are entertaining, your picks don't necessarily have to weigh 90% of the equation, right? Like if people just like you, right? Like they, they'll live with you and you can kind of play around with it. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we missed a pick. Like we just can't get right on Alabama. Like, and I'm not saying that's, you know, deceiving the audience. I'm just saying that engagement and likability absolutely carries a heavy hammer much heavier than people might think that's why barstool does so well because people love listening to dave or big cat or casey right like if you are engaged with your audience like they'll ride with you for sure alan always a pleasure man uh 257 million dollars gambled in the state of tennessee in september i think you're in the right line of work buddy i think <laughs> i think we're gonna be okay the market's still here yeah thanks appreciate lot, you guys man. yeah Happy thank you so much man. Thanks, Alan. Thank you.
Lamestream Sports. Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner is brought to you by Jaspers. That is correct, Steve. You, I don't know what you've won, but that is correct. It is trying to see how deep I'm trying to see how deep I can get my voice here as this as this as this cold has given me a, a a brand new baritone. Yeah, you sound a little nasally today on the show. I wasn't going to say anything, but <laughs> thanks, seasonal cold. <laughs> it's not COVID. It's just a regular cold, just right. regular sickness. I, you know, you know what's funny is is go to Jasper's. Go go to Jasper's. <laughs> we the, the the first thing we end up doing is is what I think what everybody ends up doing. Just like ah crap, gotta go get a COVID test. Yeah, we're like, so we're like we have like a stack of like rapid COVID tests now in our house that let us know if if indeed like the the seasonal cold that we have has transitioned to something much more nefarious. Are you are you a COVID hoarder? I've been watching Kirby Enthusiasm. Are you a, are you a COVID hoarder? I'm not a COVID hoarder. I, I don't have like 2 million N95 masks in my house. You have all the toilet paper and Purell in the closet? <laughs> I do. I do. I do not. I do have a stack of rapid oh tests. God. What a fantastic scene from the latest Curb Your Enthusiasm. Is hey, bring this so back. Good. So good. You know who doesn't hoard all the good times in Nashville? Jaspers. They're just passing them out left and right. Just passing out the good times left and right. Good happy hours. Good specials. Good parking lots. Good menu Great items. Great way to watch a Preds game. It's a fantastic way to watch a Preds game. It's tremendous. The sight lines are great. You got shuffleboard. You got board games. You got, you got smash a- burgers. You got drink yeah, specials. Right. Go go on. Yeah. I mean, it's all good. <laughs> you got chimichangas, which hopefully listen, I will love. Listen, it's a holiday weekend, and around sometime on Friday or Saturday, you're Egg gonna bowl. need you're gonna need to get out of the house. Egg bowl. You're going to need to do it. I'm just I'm just telling you, we all know it. If you have family, you know it. You're going to have to get out of the house. Pick yourself a three-hour window. Go get yourself some free parking. Go get yourself some some excellent food and watch a game with somebody other than your in-laws at Jasper's. Go to Jasper's. That was Alan Bell of Sportsline, of course, is all over the place from a content standpoint and has been ahead of the curve on this gambling thing for a very long time. We talked to him back in March, and we wanted to do it again, Steve, because we we wanted to get his perspectives. Very interesting dude with a lot of interesting takes. But we also wanted to spend some time, you and I, on sort of laying out the landscape of what gambling in the state of Tennessee looks like. So we've got all the data here for you. We can go month by month, book by book, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of quick nuggets here on the front end, and Steve, you can kind of take this where you want to. No, number one, there have been 72 book months, for lack of a better term, 72 months of operation for different books. There are now eight of them in the state of Tennessee, and two times in those 72 months. And I actually mentioned this in the interview with Alan incorrectly because we got new information after taping the interview there has now been a second book month where they actually lost money. So 72 times a book has been operating in a month in the state of Tennessee, and only twice ever has the state of Tennessee won money from a book during the house, first year of operation. House almost always wins. Uh, <laughs> almost always wins. So those those two book months were uh, Tennessee Action 24-7 in the month of March. Seems like a bad time to do that. Uh, lost money, and then uh, last month in the month of October, win bets paid out more than they took in. So those are the only two times that Tennesseans have beaten the house. Which I don't think this is revolutionary information. People understand that that <laughs> like when I smoke a cigarette, I'm gonna get some nicotine. <laughs> like that's that's sort of how this gambling thing works. Um, but I did think it's interesting to look at those margins and look at the data. What is the total number of dollars that have been bet? Over the course of one calendar year, Steve, and it's in the state of Tennessee. How much cal- money have Tennesseans gambled on sports in one year? In the calendar year, the state of Tennessee has bet $2.335 billion on sports online. Uh, and the, the books have paid out $2.130 billion, or about the, 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 the margin, you know, minus payout, I mean, minus all everything else, just the amount right. that they're paying back out. Uh, is about nine percent uh, for for the sports books. The you know the interesting thing to me is just how the volume has increased. So in the month of October, uh, there was three hundred seventy five million dollars bet on 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 various games in all of twenty twenty. So so no, November and December, as you had fewer if as you had fewer uh, 
sports books and you had you know people kind of getting used to it right there's only 311 million dollars that period so you see this just this just big growth and then uh, this, this year particularly once uh september and october hit the books went from doing you know like ben mgm is a good example here ben mgm did did 45 million in, in business uh in august 68 million in September and 92 million in October. You know, October being the prime, you know, one of one of two or three right. prime football months. Here's a here's another one because I'll start when we had seven official books when WinBook's first month was in in the state of Tennessee was May and and they this was it was 160 million dollars total wagers in May. 174 million dollars total wagers in June. 144 million total wagers in July. That's to be expected. July is by far the slowest sports month of the calendar year. Ratings, TV-wise, radio, all that stuff goes down in, in July. It's, there's no question. $144 million bet in August. $257 million bet in September. As you said, 375 in October. The highest number prior to that was March. No surprise there. $205 million, of course, during the NCAA tournament. Although, take that back, January had $211 million. What happens in January, Steve? I'm going to go with a, a football game. The Super Bowl. I, I, it, it's funny, Steve. I asked so many people when, we, when I finally got, um, when I got to see this information, I sort of asked friends and family, some in the business, some outside of it, some casual gamblers, some not. And I just said, how much do you think Tennesseans wagered, like, <laughs> like, in July uh, on sports gambling. And, and I, most answers were like less than $25 million. Almost wow. everybody was blown away by the, the, the total number of money put down on a wager in gambling in Tennessee. Now it's also important to note that the state of Tennessee gets a cut of this, right? They get about what roughly 1% ish. So of the payouts. So we've had two $2.1 billion dollars. That's about $210 million, roughly speaking, of payout back to the state of Tennessee for, as Alan said, doing very little. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, you know, $25 million in fairly easy money for the state. And that number on an annualized basis is probably going to go up. Sorry, I, I correct myself there. I said $210 million. I meant $21 million. Sorry. Yeah. The zero, uh, you know, the zeros. I got to move the decimal, you know. But but it's, it's interesting to me. Um, the and we and we talked about this with Alan and I thought I thought I think he did a great job of kind of talking about uh, content relationships and kind of what's important and what moves the needle. You you know you cannot escape the marketing push that's on for some of these for some of these places right now. Caesars has put I, I, like I said I would love to know exactly how much Caesars has has put into the market. You know Caesars came into the market. You know fairly fairly quietly here uh back in march but but this summer they start pouring money in so in august you know they go to 11 million in in handle or you know money gambled uh 19 million in september 29 million in october you know that's all those that's all those Patton oswald ads and right. you know who's the name that doesn't who's the name that doesn't get any of the 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 bonuses <laughs> there's one all right uh for yeah, you I carl <laughs> yeah that's yeah none for you carl uh, carl's the one guy what's interesting is because they've come in so hard again they also as alan said they also have partnerships with large media corporations but their 30 million dollar handle puts them fourth in the state distant fourth behind bet mgm fanduel and DraftKings, which the the three of them alone took in 300 million dollars of the 375 so the, the big three are clearly the big three that launched back in November, but the other networks in October, Action 24-7, 4.7 million, Twin Spires, 1.4 million, WinBet took in 6.3, and Barstool took in 14. If you add that all up, you're that's still less than what Caesars is, is taking in, in, in this month. And, so the, and the other four combined aren't the same size as Caesars, and those five are all a disc, they're way behind the big three. I think it's interesting to, you know, Tennessee action was, has been pushed in some quarters as this kind of local, uh, you know, bet local bet, you know, bet with your local company or whatever else. 
they they have not re- they have they're a rounding error <laughs> for for like the DraftKings and the FanDuel's of the world. They just they they have no volume. Uh, and you know, Twin Spires is is somewhat the same way. Twin Spires is is associated with Churchill Downs, which is you know hence their name. Um, Barstool has come in and and taken a very big chunk very quickly. Yeah, yep. I mean, Barstool went from zero to eight million to fourteen million here really really fast. And you know that's that's Penn National is the is the casino company that's behind them. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna uh, they're gonna continue to to kind of grow that. Will they ever catch up with you know FanDuel or DraftKings? I don't think so, but they don't have to. Um, in order to make you know in order to make decent money it it took it took um action 24 7 for example it took them november december january february and all the way into their largest month to date march to reach eight million dollars in handles which barstool yeah. got in their first month yeah, so you point mean, about being a rounding error how about this in the very first month of gambling in tennessee in november mm-hmm. of last season 130 million dollars wagered Two hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars wagered with Action Twenty Four Seven. Well, and I think I think that goes to a couple of things. One, you know, they had some marketing here when it launched, but I've I've seen almost no marketing for them here lately, and I don't know that they can afford to be in an arms race with somebody like Caesars uh, or no. DraftKings. No, I mean, no, they can't. DraftKings, not with two percent margins and three percent margins and seven percent margins. <laughs> I mean, DraftKings is doing daily ads that are specialized yeah. to the content of that day. Uh, I, I forget, I forget who the woman is who's kind of like their their who's like their spokesperson who comes on and, and is like teasing out whatever the big bet of the night is. Right, right. I mean, that's an amazing ad slash marketing machine that you're able to do that's not just like replaying the same ad over and over and over again i mean this is this takes time and resources and effort uh and so it's i guess it's not surprising that the DraftKings is you know has the biggest has, has the biggest amount bet of any of the uh, of any of the online sports books it is it is they're they're staggering sums of money steve and and i guess what i'm hopeful for is i hope because i because I, again as a I, like I'm all for victimless crimes being legalized, right? Like <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm going out of, out of my way here and saying like, you know, le- legalize weed, prostitution, gambling, whatever. Like, I don't really care. Like let's, let's, let's regulate it and take care of these people instead of putting it under the table and making it more dangerous. That's just sort of my personal belief. I don't expect everyone to agree with me on that. But when you start seeing $2.3 billion in one calendar year being wagered, y- your mind does wander a bit and you want to make sure like, Hey, is that $22, $25 million that's going to the state or is it being used the right way? I think that's the only thing I, the only question I have is, is it being used the right way to, I'm cool with gambling, got no problem with it, but let's make sure that we're, we're making it work for us as Tennesseans, if that makes sense. I, I, I'm going to be interested to see if anybody will release kind of numbers on sort of the, the this is the question I had for Alan, which is kind of that, like that entertainment better versus someone who is you know, like in there kind of every day, kind of grinding out, results um because i think there's a i mean there's a lot of people out there like me i just don't gamble a whole lot but i but i do enjoy you know i, I do enjoy putting you know five or ten dollars down on a travis kelsey touchdown or something like that because it, it makes something that i don't care about interesting uh to have kind of a rooting interest in it I, i'm the same way it's all like i've probably and I guess when you look at the totals, right, and you look at my dollars that I've wagered, because I put $100 in last November, and I still have not taken it out. I've, I've lost a little bit this season. But by and large, I mean, I've probably, I mean, I'm probably putting down 50, 60 bucks on five or six games each weekend. But over time, I'm breaking even. So even though I'm contributing, I'm contributing to both the handle and the payout. So there is some element of like funny money here, right? Like that it just keeps recycling itself. Right. Right. There's not, there's not people putting fresh. I mean, I'm the same way. I put a hundred dollars in uh, last year when the, when the book opened uh, and I took some of that out and then I put some, I put some more back in. So, but I, but I'm roughly in for like 150 bucks total here right, right. on my account. Uh, and I'm up for the, I'm up for the football season. Uh, you know, part of it because I hit, I hit one of those ridiculous uh, oh, same God. game parlays that the ringer guys were promoting. Cause I thought, Oh, well, that sounds like fun. And then sure enough, it came in and I celebrated <laughs> with, you know, making like, you know, 10 down and, and, and walking away with 85 bucks. I, I think like it's, that. 
Well, and it's we we you mentioned this um, sort of the casual better, the entertainment better versus the guy trying to make money. And I do think it's a, it's important to reiterate that like if you view, and I think you said this when we did our very first show last November about gambling. And you said, if you view it as entertainment, as five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is that in, in your pocket is sort of the equivalent of a night out to the bar, right? Some people's night outs are more expensive than others, but let's just, in theory, <laughs> that, that percentage, right? If you just view it as that, you're probably going to be okay. If you view it as a, a stream of revenue that you are dependent upon to pay your bills, you're, you're probably doing it the wrong way. Um, and and you're gonna approach it vastly differently and uh, with with much more money, <laughs> right? And a lot more risk. <laughs> and a lot of risk. Just just uh, my three rules of gambling still apply. Before I ever gambled, and now that I'm technically a gambler, I guess casual entertainment gambler or whatever you want to call me, the three rules still apply. Never gamble on the NFL. Never parlay anything, and don't touch anything over five over five touchdowns. That's it. Wow. Those are the huh. those are the three rules. Man, you are no fun at all. No, why? I bet on games all the time. Every weekend, I got I got money on games. It's fun, and guess what? I haven't lost money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. The I bet you this. I bet you if you gambled on every single underdog in the NFL, every single game, every single week, you would make money because the NFL is too unpredictable. Well, well, certainly this season. I mean, the the underdog numbers are off the are off the charts this year. So, I know because I've had a lot of favorites. <laughs> if you'd like any specifics on uh, any more of this this data that we've got here, um, uh, you could shoot uh, Steve a tweet at S Cavendish. You could shoot me a tweet at Braden Gall. We'd be happy to get into conversations about all this stuff um, because the data is fascinating to look at. There, there is no question. There's no question about that. Where you're where absolutely, you, look, you just look at it and you go, "Oh my God!" Tennesseans put 375 million dollars on a sports event, and we can't get a stinking transit system <laughs> well there's that <laughs> i digress i digress all right but hey uh, uh, speaking of things that uh <laughs> out that outrage you and might be on your mind yeah Braden, well take it away okay so i we've talked a little bit about this before and i feel like we're gonna have we're, we're heading towards a, an entire episode steve about sort of the market size in nashville and the Titans and sort of how that fits together with like the larger picture of how major corporations schedule their games. You've talked a lot about broadcast teams that we get here in the market being sort of down the list, right? Like Titans sort of get, we get kind of get jobbed on that kind of stuff. Um, Andrew Catalano and James Lofton. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, no, I, I don't disagree with you. And I think there's a couple of different conversations um, about like, we've talked about this before. One TV executives make TV decisions, not football decisions. So just because your team is not being talked about on like this super highly rated embrace debate cable talk show at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays doesn't mean that your team is say good. It. Say it. Listen, if you're going to listen to highly questionable television shows, <laughs> you're, say pro it. you're probably going to get highly questionable content. That's say all. It. That's all I'm saying. No, it's highly questionable, Steve. That's all I'm saying. The content is is highly questionable. Um, and, and so, look, look, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna listen to shitty content, you're gonna get shitty takes. Okay, that's it. So, what I don't understand is the Tennessee Titans fans' obsession with sort of their how people look at us, how people view us, the national respect, the national media. I'm not sure what it is that drives that, Steve. Are are we because we're kind of a new market and we've grown and the Titans are only 20 years old and like I understand some of the dynamics, but I don't understand like Nashville's a pretty cool place that most people like look at from the outside and think, man, that place is awesome. I want to be there. Why don't Titans fans act that way? Braden, I'm gonna point you back to a to a story that ran in the New York Times about 10 years ago <laughs> where where a writer called us it city and then we we perpetually sent out that link to anyone and everyone. Uh, that we knew uh, as as a city, and, and that our convention and visitors bureau, you know, told everyone to you know that we were it city. I don't know if this is is particularly endemic to Nashville or whatever else, but the fan base here certainly has a need to be loved. It, it is has a need to be loved by the national press. Why? And guess what, folks? It's at least in terms of like those those debate shows. It's never going to happen. Oh, Why? Oh, oh. 
because we're not New York or Dallas right, right. or Los Angeles or whatever else. It's we, just not. And and you shouldn't worry about it. You should not care about shitty takes from shitty human beings. You we, just shouldn't. Well, I don't want to say they're shitty human beings. They well, might be okay. shitty commentators. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. They're not like criminals here just because they don't watch enough Titans games. Um, but there's also this search for validation for me. And I'm going to use Austin Stanley of A to Z Sports here just as a figurehead. I, I like Austin. I think he works great. I think he works hard. I love their products. This is not an indictment on him at all. I'm just sort of using this tweet as sort of like a catch-all. And, he, and ESPN posted something, basically, a, a is Jonathan Taylor in the MVP conversation? Because he just came off like the best game of his entire career and a monstrous win over the Buffalo Bills over the weekend. And ESPN tweeted out a pretty harmless like graphic image or whatever. And Austin re- retweeted this and said, If people vote for Jonathan Taylor as NFL MVP this year, that's a disgrace and disrespectful to Derrick Henry's 2020. And I just, again, I'm just using his tweet as sort of like a a stand in a cutout for all these, these, these takes from fans and media that are seeking approval. Cause I don't think that's what he's doing necessarily, but Derrick Henry's 2020 season is separate from Derrick Henry's 2021 season, which is, which are both separate from Jonathan Taylor's 2021 season, who right now is the best running back on the planet because Derrick Henry's not playing. They both can be great. They both can be true. And it has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers' season from last year because he was exceptional. MVP voters were going to give Derrick Henry the award if he had not got hurt and he continued his play. So I don't think that there's this connection between all of these different things. I think all of these things can be true. Derrick Henry was amazing in 2020. He was given a ton of credit for it. He wasn't as important as Aaron Rodgers was probably to his team. So Rodgers won the award. And this year, Derrick Henry was getting tons of MVP conversation, literally on SportsCenter after the win over the Bills, which is exactly what just happened with Jonathan Taylor. The obsession with the awards and why aren't our players getting recognized and why aren't why doesn't, why doesn't the national media love our team? I just don't care. I don't care, and I don't know why the fans in the media are seeking so much validation from the outside. And I, I guess I just don't get it. I don't know. I'm not a Titans fan, so maybe that's part of the problem. You're a Titans fan now. What, like, why... Do you care what Keyshawn Johnson has to say about your team? Like, I don't. Uh, to, to be fair, I don't care what Keyshawn Johnson says about almost anything, <laughs> much less the Tennessee Titans. I, I don't, I, you know. And I'm not picking on Austin, by the way. He's just, I, I like the guy, so I feel comfortable saying his name on the show. And I like to name names. So I, I think I think there's some of it, too, in that the Titans are kind of good again and have been over the last couple of years. And so Nashville sports fans want everybody else to agree with them. And that's fine. I, I just I, I don't think you can find fan enjoyment in the affirmation of other people. You know, if somebody yeah, really I agree good, with that. I agree if with somebody that. really good says your team is good, I mean that feels nice. But you cannot seek that from other people. Yeah, yeah. If you do, you will be all. You will almost always be disappointed. And I could I could add another more complicated conversation point to all of this, which is that Twitter has become more and more about grievance. And less and less about anything else. <laughs> as the app has evolved and as social media has evolved, what sells and what plays in sports media is grievance. And it's not just sports I, media, it's I don't think media. that's I don't think that's entirely Twitter. I mean, I think okay. I, I think I think grievance I think grievance is a grievance and outrage are tools for engagement. 100 percent and and, and, Titans fans and, don't take the don't take the bait on the tool right. for engagement don't engage right and if you if you are angrily tweeting at someone for their hot take you are only i mean the, the, the person is laughing at the fact that you are responding to their take just again, don't do it again go to the school of steve gorman <laughs> It's exactly it's exactly right. You took time out of your day to log on to an app on your phone to tell me that I suck. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that's what they're looking for. Don't engage with them, man. Just don't like so so what if some guy thinks somebody else has had a great weekend? It it has nothing to do with what they what really smart, good football people think of Derrick Henry, which is if Derrick Henry did what he did all season, what he was doing in the beginning of the season, he was gonna win the MVP. And you can be upset about that as a Titans fan. You can say, God, I wish we he didn't get hurt. And that's fair. That's totally fair game. But who who cares? Who cares what people in Philadelphia think about Nashville? Who cares what, what the media in Chicago thinks about Nashville? Who cares? It's not important. Also, who, also, who cares about the MVP in like mid-November? 
I mean, there's, awesome. there's still like, awesome. there's like also a fair point. <laughs> there's like half the season left to be played. There, there are a lot of people obsessed with like, I'm a Mets fan. We have Cy Young's and rookies of the year the last couple of years. It's really cool that we won them. I would trade them all for a playoff game. Yeah. Just one. <laughs> just, just, just give me just, one wild card game. <laughs> just, just a losing, just a losing play in game. That's all you want. All I asked for. Uh, love you, Austin. You guys keep, keep doing all the good work over there. Uh, but I, listen, I don't get it. Titans Twitter. You guys just chill out, man. It's okay. The good, smart football people know how good this team is. And guess what? They're still in first place in the AFC, even without Derrick Henry for three straight weeks and a bad loss to the Houston Texans. They're still probably the best team in the AFC. How about that? <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> right, exactly. Ratioed. All right. Special thanks to Alan Bell for joining us. Go gamble responsibly, I guess, on stuff. Have a great Thanksgiving. Special thanks to our sponsor, Jaspers, with their free parking the next evolution of the sports bar menu. You know, they got gift cards for sale for Christmas. You get a $20 gift card. If you give them a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar gift card, you can give that to one of your friends or family as a Christmas gift. And they'll give you 20 bucks worth of your own food. They might even give you a 20% discount as well. Lots of flash sales, all kinds of great specials. Great place to watch the game, get out of the house this weekend and uh, go watch some, some hockey or some football or whatever. So there you go. And, go, and, go to Jasper's. and along those lines, I mean, they, they put out a, they put in a newsletter every week with deals that, does not spam your inbox that doesn't just like kill you with a deal every day. Yeah. Like it's like some places do. Um, it, it, you can find really good stuff in there. Just go sign up for the newsletter. It, it's, it's on the site uh, and, and, and watch for the deals because Hey, December is here. December, December is here. Uh, solving all those supply chain problems. Jaspers uh, special. Thanks to Alan Bell for Steve Cavendish. My name's Braden. I'll have a great holiday. Everybody. Thank you for listening. Share the product. This has been lamestream sports on the 440 sports network. 